Welcome to the Tidal Year, a series about the joy of swimming. With the help of some special guests, we'll discover the human stories behind why we swim. Together, we'll share tales from the places that helped us fall in love with swimming. From Lidos to lakes, by leisure centers in the ocean, I can't wait to dive into these magical places. I'm your host, writer and wild swimmer, Freya Bromley, and every week I'll be chatting to a new explorer, swimmer, author, or campaigner about what water means to them. Before we dive into this episode, I'd like to thank today's sponsor, TryHard. I love being in the water, but I don't love what pool chemicals like chlorine do for my skin and hair. TryHard develop water sports specialized skin and hair solutions that eliminate those negative effects of pool chemicals and ocean salts. I'm thrilled to share with all listeners of the Tidal year a very exclusive 15% off when you use code TIDAL at tryhard.co. This week's guest is the founder of Monk, Laura Fullerton. She's created the first at-home smart ice bath and cold water therapy app, which matches over 5,000 years of ancestral wisdom with cutting-edge science. Now, last week, I spoke to Mark Vesey about his DIY ice tub, so it was great to understand more about the science behind cold water immersion. Thank you so much for joining me, Laura. I'm really excited to chat all things Monk today because so often we have people on the podcast talk about how amazing cold water is and people say, it does wonders for my anxiety. It makes me feel so healthy. But I think often that ends up being quite anecdotal and we don't know about all of the science about the amazing, everything that is cold water therapy. So I'm really excited to hear from somebody who knows a lot about it. Oh, thank you. And thank you for having me on this podcast. I remember when you launched the first episode, I listened and messaged you just saying like, I was just blown away. So it's so nice to to be on here. Oh, thank you. That's very kind of you to say. So maybe while we get started, Laura, you can tell me a bit about you and everything Discover Monk. Yeah, sure. So I am the CEO of Monk and we are a health tech startup and our mission is to make cold water therapy accessible and evidence-based. And in short, we are launching the first smart ice bath and cold water therapy app to, I guess, to really help people take conscious control of their mental, physical and emotional health. And full disclaimer, I have always hated being cold. So when I tell people what I'm doing now, it just seems like such a rogue move. But I guess a bit of my background, I've always been into biohacking, into, you know, very much into the health optimization space. And one day I got invited to a breathwork and ice bath workshop. And I went along to it thinking, I'm just going to hate the ice bath because yeah, I just hate being cold. And it wasn't until a few hours afterwards, I just thought, why do I feel so good? And then really, I just I just wanted more of it. And that's how, how my journey into the cold started. Oh, I love that. I think it's good to, to be somebody that says, you know, being cold wasn't for you at the start, because so many people always say that with swimming. They say, yeah, I love it, but I'm not sure I want to go through winter. And then I think there's something often just a mental shift that changes and you get completely, completely hooked. And I know a lot of people will get their bins out in their garden and fill it with ice. And I know you've done a lot of that. What are some of like the yes. DIY options <laughs> that, that you've had before that have worked? 
So Christmas last year was a dustbin filled with water. We did actually have to put ice in because it was so cold. That was actually amazing because I got all my family to do it. And, you know, they actually really felt the benefits, which was amazing because, you know, when you say to people, oh, let's just go and get in freezing cold water. Usually the answer is absolutely not. So, yeah, I filled bins with ice. I have, you know, just bought endless bags of ice to put into my my bath at home. Which is frustrating because, you know, you've got to walk to the shop, you've got to buy loads of them, use them straight away. And as soon as you put them in, they disintegrate. And, you know, it's just ends up being a lot of effort. Oh, I also, this was quite a good story. So I learned how to break into Hampstead Heath Ponds at night. And this was back during lockdown when it was closed. (laughs) And you just have to like climb over three gates. But, um, you know, we went skinny dipping and it was super exciting. And then unfortunately, I got ill because... I learned that the water, it wasn't closed because of COVID. It's because the water was contaminated. Oh, no. So that was not fun. And I would not recommend. <laughs> yeah, I bet that was cold. What time of year was that? It was around somewhere between November to January. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty cold. I think it was around four or five degrees. Yeah. Okay. Oh, goodness. Okay. I've never done a break in there. I'm not sure I'd be brave enough. I don't have, maybe I need a bit more of a rebellious streak in me. Uh, maybe we'll correct that. That can be our mission this winter. We'll go in. <laughs> but now, of course, instead of filling bins, people are going to be able to join the wait list to get a monk bath at home. What's the process been for designing it? I mean, firstly, they look incredibly beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been, I'd say a labour of love, but I mean, it has just been amazing. So we have been designing the tub for... I think it's really the last six months we've gone from concept through to full working prototype. Um, and now we've got some final development tweaks and things to do on the electronics and software and everything you need to do to bring a product to market, certifications, all of that juicy stuff. And so we're looking to be shipping products in around March next year, early, early next year. So yeah, it's super exciting. It's suddenly becoming real. And yeah, we're about to actually go live at the end of October with our pre-launch campaign. So we're just releasing a really limited edition run of 300 units. That is so exciting. That is really real. Yeah, it is, right? <laughs> March. March is going gonna, is gonna to be soon. And that's amazing that you've done so much work on it. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about the research. So you had an experience where you were like, this is, my body feels amazing. And it's so interesting to me that you felt that so long afterwards because obviously you have that feeling of euphoria Mm -hmm. when you're initially in cold water. But you're right, it does feel almost like something is melting or thawing inside you, that like gradual release. From there, where did you go to find information and what information is actually out there about the benefits of cold water therapy? So there, there is actually a huge body of scientific research, but it's just so fragmented. There hasn't really been that one source of truth. And actually, Wim Hof has done an amazing job at bringing it, you know, more mainstream, more to the masses. But yeah, I mean, it, if you look at the actual science itself, it's so vast. I mean, it covers everything from immunity, neuroprotection, mental health, physical recovery. There's, there's just so much. I think the really cool thing with it is that, you know, cold water therapy actually dates back to 3500 BC. So Hippoc- uh, Hippocrates, Plato, all of them were touting the, you know, the benefits of cold water. And that actually is why spas developed. It was all based around cold water. Yeah. But I think as time's gone on, we've just got, you know, we've just got comfortable and we like to be warm and we like to have jacuzzis and things like that. But yes, yeah, so the cool thing is there's nothing new about it. Because often people say, you know, oh, it's just a fad, but fads aren't over 5,000 years old. Like this is, you know, there's there's really something to this. And it's so, I think it's just so powerful also because it's natural. 
I think also, you know, given what's happened in the last two years, depression is now the most prevalent mental health disorder in the world. Rates of anxiety have nearly doubled since the beginning of the pandemic. And because cold water is so powerful against those two, it's no wonder really that it's it's just taken off. Yeah, that's amazing. And that's so interesting about spas, because you're so right. We get to a spa and we think, where's the sauna? Where's the steam? <laughs> yeah, actually, that that cold treatment is so important too. And you mentioned, obviously, the effect that the pandemics had on depression. How can cold water help depression and anxiety? What's going on in your body when you're exposed to cold water? So there's loads and loads of different uh, biochemical processes, but I think one of the most powerful around depression in particular is that depression is really tightly linked to inflammation, as is anxiety. And with cold water, one of the biggest impacts it has is is anti-inflammation. So that's where there's that really tight link there. I think what's amazing is, you know, with people like yourself that go cold water swimming, loads of people feel incredible, but don't necessarily know why. And it might be not be that they, you know, qualify for a diagnosis of depression or anxiety anxiety but you just feel so good and there's you know there's so many other reasons as well like there's just such a explosion of neurotransmitters I think to your point earlier when you after you just have that euphoria I think a, a lot of that comes down to the release of dopamine and noradrenaline also adrenaline and together they just they just like light up every cell in your body they're the things that just make you feel so good yeah and it's something that is so accessible and free and easy to do to go for a swim or to get in cold water even just turning the shower down at the end or the beginning of your shower. And you're right that often it's kind of hard to put your finger on why it feels good. And I think a part of it also is that I'm never the person that's charging into the sea. And even when I you know, do turn the shower, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. But almost getting over that and proving to yourself that you can get your body to do something uncomfortable, I think as well when it comes to depression or anxiety gives you that feeling of resilience that you can do something difficult and get through it. And even if something's uncomfortable, when you get in an ice bath for 30 seconds, you can do that and you can conquer it and you come out the other side being better, which I think then if you think about having a hard day or not wanting to get out of bed, it's almost like I'm flexing that muscle of reminding myself that I can push through something hard. I feel like in a, in a way that that kind of speaks to me yeah, completely. I think the resilience, that that is one of the main things that just kind of got me hooked because I think if you can do two minutes in really freezing cold water, you know, even something down at like four degrees, you don't actually have to be down at like one. You just feel incredible. And then I, what I find is it doesn't matter what gets thrown at me later that day, whether it's something work-wise, whatever curveballs come your way, I'm just so much better equipped to be like, yeah, it's not such a big deal. Like I've just been in freezing cold water and it just kind of gives you this, I, yeah, it's just this amazing sense of resilience. Yeah. And like, you know, life is, is full of those moments. I know a lot of the kind of monk ethos is talks about how chaotic and crazy modern life can be. And a little bit of reading I've done about that has been from um, Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, whose podcast is amazing. And he kind of talks about, you know, as cavemen, when we're out and if we see a lion, we're then forced into a fight or flight response and the adrenaline going through your body is incredibly intense to get you out of that situation. And now when we see receive a stressful email or we get caught up in a disaster at work, we have those same chemicals are running through our body and we're constantly like overdosing on all of this panic and fight and flight. And that just made so much sense to me when I when I kind of realized that. And if you think about the pressures that our body and minds are under constantly tapping into something that feels more ancient 
is really interesting to me. Yeah, I love that. And actually, to your point there, there's a statistic that I think it's we're bombarded with 74 gigabytes of information a day, which is equivalent to the amount of information that we had across like our lifetime 500 years ago. It's just absurd. I wonder how much of that I even retain. And you know, sometimes you think about the things you do retain, the the bizarre song lyrics that seem to be wedged in your mind and then you get (laughs) something important you need to know and you're like, where is that? But no wonder when we're just being bombarded with all this information. And I know that I've always been admired of the way you live your life with such a focus on health and wellness and always just trying to be the best version of yourself. Maybe you could tell me a little bit about your journey with that. So I guess you've always been into exercise is clean eating been important to you? Like, what have you tried on your journey to just fight the craziness of modern life? Gosh, all sorts, really. I think, so it it must have been, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, I just started really getting into, not the not necessarily the gym, but I found like strength training and I just really got into fitness and I just found it made me feel great. And I think I have this weird thing where I like to be as efficient as possible, like to get to A to B, like it has to be efficient. So I didn't want to be working out if I was eating the wrong things that were going to, you know, completely cannibalize the results or, you know, whatever I was doing. So I just ended up entering this rabbit hole and I found out about biohacking. I think I, I learned about, you know, Dave Asprey and the Bulletproof Diet and it, yeah, it just opened up this whole new world. And I think you know, sometimes you wake up and you just feel slightly groggy. You're just not yourself. And I read something somewhere that, you know, that's just, that's not normal, but we're just so used to thinking that that is. And I don't know, I think that just sparked something in me. And then I've, I've just always wanted to have that mental clarity and just, I just want to feel amazing. And so that, that's really what I guess has, has driven me down this path. And then the more I got into health, it's just one of those things. It's just the snowball effect, right? And you learn that actually half of the products that are supposed to be healthy are just full of awful things like seed oils and really inflammatory things that are actually just doing the complete opposite that you want to your body. I think there's something really powerful sometimes about very simple statements that are very true. And when you first hear them, you think, oh yeah, because hearing you say, I just want to feel amazing. Well, of course that should, you know, everybody's entitled to wake up and feel amazing. But how interesting that so much of us often we drift quite far from that. And like you say, that feeling of grogginess or bloating or not feeling like you're able to focus, we shouldn't really be putting ourselves through this. And actually, how easy is it to even firstly begin to think, I deserve a better life than this. I can also give myself that life. But also, where do I even go about getting the information to do that? With me and swimming, it's like, been the most simple, joyous way for me to keep well. But I don't think I would have got into it unless I had a friend that said, let's go and go to the ladies pond and have a swim. And it's the same, you know, with information is you were just talking about health food and suddenly thinking about all of the things in my kitchen cupboard to try and be <laughs> healthy. Like, oh God, yeah, I should really probably start reading the instructions, the, you know, all the ingredients on that. You know, what, what were some of your real sources of truth for information as you got started. You mentioned a few names there when you talked about biohacking and I don't even know what biohacking is. So I think the definition of biohacking is just taking control of your environment, like inside your body and outside. I think a couple of the biggest sources for me in the early days were definitely uh, Dave Asprey, but nowadays I listen more to Ben Greenfield. I think he's been, he's phenomenal. And, you know, when you listen to their podcast, obviously they're having incredible guests on that are talking about something completely different or like, you know, a very specific area of health or niche. And I just found that super, super helpful. But I mean, they're, 
there's just been so many fascinating learnings. I think before you and I have spoken about like menstrual cycles and actually how women should train differently throughout them, how you should maybe eat differently during phases and, you know, even take care of yourself. And yeah, things like that. It's just, I don't know, it just, it just blows my mind because I think to your point earlier, we're just so caught up in 21st century living. There's a lot of stresses and actually sometimes it's just going back to, to our roots and to what's natural. That's really interesting, especially I think with cycles as well, because, you know, I often try and find information about hormones and contraception or how to eat well at different times of the month. And actually finding clear information about a lot of these things can be really difficult. And a lot of the research into women's health really isn't maybe where it should be. And I know there's a lot of strides hopefully being made, but it's incredibly overwhelming if you're a normal person to be looking and trying to understand how to be well and keep your body healthy. And I think that's why these kinds of discussions are so important. And especially in the podcast space, it's amazing how many great conversations are being held. So I'm definitely going to check out check out some of those names. Yeah. Also, just especially on the female health, a couple that I would really recommend are uh, Dr. Jolene Brighton and Alicia Vitti. I know she did in particular a really good podcast with Max Lugavir. And I, I think that's that's the podcast I've sent to at least like 20 female friends. Yeah, I'd really, really recommend checking them out. Ooh, okay, thank you. Okay, so I've got some homework after this episode. <laughs> yeah, we can put it on the show notes. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, of course, a huge influencer for cold therapy is Wim Hof, who you mentioned, and he's had this amazing TV show. And I think that's been great that everybody's got really excited about, you know, how people can try a little bit of cold water therapy. But of course, with that, you know, you do have to be very safe. What do you know about how to stay safe with cold water therapy? It's definitely to start slow. And, you know, people see, they look on Instagram and see people like hacking into ice and going down to like three degrees straight away. And it's, it's just not what we're supposed to do. Like even all the scientific evidence is usually conducted in water that's somewhere between like eight to 15 degrees. Quite often it does go, go lower. Sometimes it's around four, but there's no need to actually go lower than that. And a lot of people think that colder temperatures equals more benefits and it just doesn't. So I think starting at higher temperatures is one of the best things. And actually, it's a great time of year now because it's the water, especially, you know, outside is just going to start getting colder. So it's a great time, particularly more maybe like October to start going out there. And then, you know, as you get used to it, the temperature naturally drops, which is a great way to get into it and then keep going throughout winter, obviously, if you are feeling the benefits and, and really loving it. But I think, yeah, trying to get people to understand how to do it safely and effectively, it's one of the biggest challenges we're trying to solve at Monk. And for example, with the, the app that comes with the bath, we've got a personalised acclimatisation programme. So it will take people from 15 degrees slowly all the way down to five and also brings in things like soundscapes, guided therapy. So you've actually got this audio saying like, right, you're two minutes in, this is what's happening in your body because I want people to understand like why it's so powerful. And I think it's only really when you you know, when you understand what's happening, when you know the benefits and then you start to feel them, that's the, the thing that kind of keeps you going and, and ultimately makes you feel incredible. Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. I'm very up for the soundscapes. I loved the Couch to 5K app. I actually still use it because I think having that guide and that encouragement just as you're going really keeps me focused on a run. So I think having anything that can be like that will just be amazing. And that's really interesting what you said about eight to 15 degrees, because it really just encourages me to, you know, splash more cold water on my face or even just in the shower, just getting that little bit of cold anywhere really does do such benefits for you. 
And one post I saw around swimming that really stayed with me was, you know, often through winter, you keep going and you do a certain amount of minutes and you can kind of time your laps or you know how many laps that you do. But also it's not just about how acclimatized you are, how used to the water you are that week, but also just how you're feeling that day. You know, if you're a little bit hungover, probably not. If you're somewhere different in your cycle, if you haven't had a good night's sleep, all of these factors change your ability to be on water. And so, you know, whereas I used to go, oh, well, it was, you know, eight degrees last week and I did however many laps, I'll do the same. I'm much better now at keeping an eye on just how I'm feeling in myself. Yeah, I completely get that as well. And it's very humbling because like you say, you think one day, oh, I can do eight degrees. And the next day you try to go lower or even just do the same. And suddenly you're like, I just can't. And actually we um, we had our prototype at BXR. It's this uh, fancy gym over in, in Marleybone. And one day it was exactly the same temperature. One day I was in it for, I don't know, five, seven minutes, something like that. And the next day I actually, um, I tried to film myself and I went in. And as soon as I got in, I was just like, nope, and just jumped straight back out. And yeah, I, I don't really know why, but that day I just, I just wasn't feeling it. I think that's again, why it's important is because I find that swimming really keeps me present in my body because I'm having to be aware of all of that, of how I'm feeling, how I've eaten, how I've slept. And I think that's important because a lot of the time I'm, I'm trying to ignore all of that because we're rushing and we've got things to do. And my life is run by my diary and my schedules rather than actually how I'm feeling. So doing anything where I think you're becoming more aware of that is really important. Yeah, I can completely relate to that. Totally. What, um, what is the biggest benefit you find from, from world swimming? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I think really, I mean, this sounds kind of pathetic, but it started for me being time without my phone where I was far away from it and could just focus on nothing. I tried for so long getting into running, getting into yoga, doing anything where I could just have a break from the busyness of my schedule, but also the busyness of my schedule that I found I was really having to make to keep busy, to avoid my grief and just feeling sad and lost after my brother died. So it was kind of these two things that I was running from and then one became the problem. And then when I swam, it was like, I I genuinely, when I swim, I can't really think about anything other than the sensation of how it feels to be in the water. And especially when it's cold, because your mind is just cleared of all thoughts. It's so anesthetizing. And I found that very addictive. And it's not something that I've been able to replicate hugely elsewhere. I am much better at yoga now. I can do it and I can find more clarity and kind of mental peace elsewhere. But that was really what got me hooked. That actually gave me goosebumps when you were when you were speaking then. And do you know what? It's there is something, like you say, about the the cold water. It just brings this sense of peace and clarity and I think that's I personally only feel that maybe like 30 seconds a minute in once the pain has like subsided and you know your skin's numb (laughs) and then it you just have this kind of serenity and it was it was so interesting when we were doing the user testing with our prototype there were some people that had never tried uh, cold water therapy before but it was incredible that must have been around 80 90 percent of people said the same thing they were just sitting there like wow I feel zen and like it was just amazing the the words that people used to describe it were like peace zen uh, calm and yeah I just I love that the zen yeah that's good and I think it's also great to be reminded that you can achieve that because I thought for a long time that kind of serenity wasn't possible because it was just going to be too difficult to switch off or to find peace so then to 
to have an experience in your body where you can achieve that really gave me this feeling of, oh, I know I can do it. I know my body can do this now. So I can, it felt possible elsewhere in life. And I think since then I have learned to be a bit more of a calm, but I mean, not always, but it definitely (laughs) feels more possible. And I think it's going back to that resilience thing, isn't it? Is if your body can have an experience through cold water therapy, you can remind yourself that you can can replicate that elsewhere. And I think that's really encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to chat to you as well about all things Monk for next year. So tell me more about the launch. You've got spring coming up. That's going to be really exciting. Where are people's homes? Are are they going to have a Monk tub inside, outside? So we've we've built it for both inside and outside use. I think most people that have a garden would like it out there because I think it taps into that more, you know, natural kind of element, which I love. But yeah, so we are launching early next year. And that's going to be super exciting. So we're the first launches or the first launch of those 300 units is just going to be in the UK. And then very shortly after, so that's like our first production run, we might need to make some tweaks before we go into full, full production. And then we'll be in the UK and the US, which is super exciting. Yeah, I just, I just cannot wait. That's so exciting. And I'm really excited as well to hear what people think about it. And like you say, having those like final tweaks, I think must be so exciting because you've done all this user testing, but now to get even more people involved is just going to be great. Yeah, I I just can't wait. And we've built up a a wait list. At the moment, there's just over 2,200 people on it. But there's also like the most famous super elite athletes. I probably can't say their names, but it's just amazing that it's being, you know, seen and picked up by these people. And I just, I can't wait till people are using it and experience the benefits. Because even if I talk about, I don't know, say I'm on a panel talking about cold water therapy. And it's really funny because there's, the audience is always like divided in half. There's some people that are just like, oh my God, I love it. You know, it's, it's helped my son with his behavioral problems. It's helped my husband. It's changed my life. And then there's the other half of the room that are just like, fuck that <laughs> and it's almost <laughs> like so, <laughs> it's almost so divisive but in a really great way and yeah I just can't wait to hear when people are saying that actually it's it's really helped them oh that's amazing you mentioned athletes there and I know one of the first things that you said about cold water therapy is that it's really great for physical recovery tell me more about that I don't know anything about that Oh, yeah. So ice baths are synonymous with athletes. I mean, they've been using them for decades. I think you'd you'd find it hard to find either a sporting discipline or a team or an individual athlete that don't already swear by it. But it's been so fascinating because so many we've come across, you know, they're Olympic or elite athletes and they're using like kids blow up paddling pools or their management (laughs) team are running out (laughs) and buying like endless bags of ice just to fill it up so that they can they can have their fix. Wow. So now they'll be able to train and do some of that physical recovery at home in their own monk bath. Yes. Yeah. Or even in the sports clubs, it would be super cool if, you know, you have like five lined up and then you can get, you know, 10 athletes through in however many minutes. Yeah. It's, it's very exciting. Oh my God. We need this in an episode of Ted Lasso. We need everybody in the locker room getting in there, getting in their ice baths after a game. Well, did you see they actually had one in Ted Lasso? Oh my God. No, I didn't. I've yeah. This episode. I, I took a picture or, you know, took a screenshot. I was so excited. I was like, look, they're using them. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Uh, so tell me more about what's happening with the muscles. I know there's also a lot of benefits for cold water with brown fat and white fat, which is something that Lauren, one of our previous podcast guests of the Salt Sisterhood, spoke a little bit about. But I'd love to find out more about that because it's not something that I fully understand. 
Yeah. So, I mean, again, particularly with muscle recovery, there are so many different mechanisms at play. But one of the biggest things is as soon as you jump into that ice bath, your blood vessels really constrict and get smaller. And then when you get out, it's the the change in temperature that causes them to, you know, rapidly reopen. And that does a few things. So it first, it flushes your muscles like metabolic waste products out like lactic acid. Wow. It also delivers that much needed oxygen and nutrients to the muscles, which aids in their recovery. And it also increases blood flow and speed circulation, which again, just improves the, the healing process. Yeah, but I think, I think ultimately it's that reduction in tissue, like swelling and breakdown that really has a really huge effect. Amazing. So if somebody's just been playing a game or obviously if they're like an Olympic athlete and have been running, exercising, then for those muscles, it's just going to be amazingly healing. Yeah, it can mean it means that you can kind of get back to training quicker. But again, there are there are more nuances around how you would use it if you were an athlete. For example, if you were an endurance athlete, you can use it before you actually go on your, you know, your ultra run or something like that as a method of like pre-cooling. And there's certain things like if you were if you're training purely to build muscle, like you were, you know, a physique competitor or something, you wouldn't use it immediately after you work out, you would have to leave it a number of hours. So it doesn't like blunt the hormetic response. So there's, there's more nuances around that if you're an athlete, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's been proven in, in so many studies and also, you know, just, just looking at the fact that pretty much all athletes or teams uh, use it. Oh, that's so interesting. And I guess as well, why that app is so important as well to understand why people are using cold water therapy to make sure that they're really getting the results as well. Yeah, totally. And yeah, you also touched on um, on the brown fat and white fat. And, you know, it's it's incredible for when used as a tool for weight loss. And one of the things you should do if you're doing cold water therapy and you, you want to experience fat loss when you get out you shouldn't warm yourself up you know you shouldn't go and have a shower the the point is that you let your body do the hard work so it really switches on your metabolism and tries to warm you up itself and that is when you're burning that white fat which is known as like the bad fat and yeah you get those benefits oh that's interesting i've also heard it's not super safe if you've been you know swimming to go straight from really cold to a hot shower because of course that's always the thing i do at the lie is run into a hot shower and People, people there are always like, babe, don't, don't, don't do that. So that's really, that's really interesting to know. Cause I guess, of course, that's what your body is there to do is to warm you up and to get that inside fire going. So I'll go hat on first and a lukewarm shower, maybe. Yeah. That's why, um, if you've ever watched, oh yeah, like some of the shows with Wim Hof afterwards, he does that horse stance and everyone's like pushing, moving their arms and stuff. So there's things you can do to naturally warm up, but yeah, I wouldn't. And, you know, I use a dry robe if it's cold outside, but yeah, I don't, don't jump in a shower. Although actually to, just to counter that, there is a scientifically validated sleep protocol where you would have a cold bath and then half an hour later, you would have a warm shower or a warm bath. And then I think you do that maybe an hour before you go to sleep. And apparently that's, that's proven to really, yeah, increase your, I don't know whether it's to increase your deep sleep or your REM sleep. I believe it's deep sleep, but I haven't actually, I haven't tried it myself. That's interesting because I always associate having a cold shower with something that I would do in the morning to wake me up and it really invigorates me. But I think anything where, and I have a hot shower in the evening because I think it really gets, as part of that routine, your body starts going, okay, it's going to be sleep time soon, wash off the day, get ready for bed. So anything that you can do and have that routine almost counting backwards towards sleep is really interesting. 
I mean, I'll try anything for a deep night's <laughs> sleep. So yeah, I've I've not been very good at the the Wim Hof horse dance. I've tried it a few times, but even when I'm on my own, I feel like I feel too silly and I need to just give into it. Yeah, completely, completely agree. Oh, there was this one time. So in in the winter, there's a group of us that go to the Serpentine every morning. And it's amazing because, you know, everyone's there together. It's this real community feeling. And then afterwards, everyone gets coffee. And there was one time we went and there was a potential investor who wanted to talk to me about investing in Monk. And he wanted to have the conversation when we were in the water. So naturally, I thought, <laughs> I've just got to stay in as long as this conversation lasts. And like, I know that as soon as you know, you start kind of shivering. Or I know when I get too cold, I need to get out. But I was like, no, I'm just going to push through. I need to carry on this conversation. And I just pushed it too far. And we were having coffee afterwards. And my hands just wouldn't stop shaking to the point where I couldn't actually pick up my coffee cup. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Got to pay attention to the signs. Oh, that was so funny. I'm just imagining you feeling very under pressure to, to seal the deal. Yeah, a lot of people wear gloves for swimming, but I actually never wear gloves for that exact reason. Because I feel like when I'm in the water, if I ever can't kind of close my fingers together, that's when I know you've had enough. And I really feel that afterwards if I get shivery, just the same as you, that I can't hold hold anything. And especially if you're far from a changing room and you're outside doing a wild swim, not being able to do up your jacket is very... Yeah. It's very scary, isn't it? Yeah. I always find it really hard when you're kind of wrapped in a towel or a dry robe and you're trying to change, like take off your bikini. So, you know, you're pretty exposed and you just can't use your hands. <laughs> it's not a good look. Yeah. Especially at the Serpentine during the pandemic and the changing rooms were closed. Everyone's just getting changed on the end, trying to pull their jeans up with very cold hands. It was quite, quite undignified, but kind of nice that everyone, everyone was doing, everyone looked equally silly. Yeah, I didn't know that they had changing rooms. I've always been the person struggling outside. Yeah, me too. But I just kind of quite like being naked outside, so I never use them. But I assume they're there. Maybe they're not. I've also been there when there was um, a bit of an algae problem and I came out completely green. And I think it was it was just a bit of weed. So it was they'd said it was still safe to swim, but I was kind of covered in this green green mess and had a meeting afterwards and I just had a dry like a dry robe thing and was trying to scrub it off and the person who was meeting me was like are you, are you okay did you fall in what happened to you because oh, no. I just my, my skin was all all green strong look Freya yeah I do love it there though that's a great place to swim and there's actually I keep meaning to reach out and get in touch with them because there's a fun run called above below where I think you go and do you end at the Serpentine, but you go and do Parliament Hill Lido, the Ladies' Pond, the Mixed Pond, and run between all of them and swim in all of them in one day. It sounds very up your street. I will find out the details and let you know, because that's for the real the real hardcore swimmers. I love that. It sounds very much up your street as well. Maybe we should do it together. Yeah, well, I don't know. I'm not very fast. I'll, do, <laughs> I'll cycle in between. Yeah, I'm not either. I'm not a runner. Yeah, something I don't actually see much is people doing much Wim Hofing by the side of the Lido or the or the Serpentine, really. I know it's become very popular, but I often see people that are there to swim, but not always with the breath work. So maybe sometimes more at beaches. I think at beaches, I'll often see people doing some kind of yoga flow in the sand, especially in warmer countries. But tell me a little bit about the breath work that you did. It sounds like that was kind of how you actually got into cold water is that something that you still do 
Yeah, it is. And do you know what? There's actually a huge misconception around it in the fact that, like, I love uh, Wim Hof's breathwork, but you absolutely should not do that while in the cold. Or you can do it before the cold, but you need to have a bit of a break. Yeah, because ultimately it's that hyperventilation and that can actually be quite dangerous. But there are, yeah, and actually that's really interesting because people tell you how to breathe, but how to do an ice bath, but never really together. And actually what I find really works for me when I'm doing cold exposure is just making sure I have a longer exhale than inhale. So, you know, it's that very calming breath. And I think it's actually very important to pay attention to your breath in the cold because, you know, as soon as you get in, I'm sure you know when it is really cold, you have that like, <gasps> that kind of response. And so trying to get people to to pay attention and just stay in control of their breath and then you feel much more in control of your experience. And actually in um, in the monk tub, we have this internal light and that kind of glows and pulses like guiding you how to breathe, which I think oh, is wow. really important. Yeah. I need that in my whole bedroom before I go to sleep as well. It sounds, <laughs> sounds very cocoon and kind of womb-like as well to have that like soft glow and also just to be guided through breath. Because I think once you get going with breath work, it can feel very instinctive. It's just at the beginning starting. Yeah. Actually, yeah, you made a really good point about just like, yeah, how, how you use breath work. And I actually probably is the thing that got me into the cold but what I love about it is I'll use different types of breath work at different types of the day if I want to you know feel a certain way like if I was really worked up or you know having a bad day there's a certain kind of calming breath work that I would do same with you know before bed often I actually try and do it in bed and I just fall asleep like within like two breaths or something but then equally you know there's certain types I could do in the morning to wake up there's there's one particular guy called Breathe with James, who I really like. And he has uh, categories, you know, for sleep, for anxiety, to wake up. And that really Ooh. works for me. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. And I've really enjoyed doing um, yoga where they have kind of like fire breath and things that feel yeah. more invigorating. That's great as well. And I think one of actually the first things that somebody said one of the first times I went to swim at the ladies' pond was exhale when you go in. Because, of course, yes. if you lower yourself and you inhale, an inhalation often can often feel like you're hyperventilating or having a panic attack. So that's always my advice to somebody when they first get in is focus on your exhale as you take that first plunge to kind of alleviate some of some of that shock. So that's interesting to me that you said the exhale should always be longer because I guess that makes sense for for feeling calm and in control of your breathing as well. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I think exhaling on entry is is really important. Yeah, I'm never one to jump or dive in. I don't know how people do that. I usually kind of stand about at waist length and stare at the water <laughs> and think, what am I doing for quite a while before I finally go in? Oh, see, I just have to rip the plaster off and just straight in. I think that's probably more sensible. I quite like it when you've got steps because at least then you've got to get down quicker. When I have to kind of shimmy through to waist height, I will just make that last a good five minutes and then I'll go, well, I've done five minutes, so I'll get out again now. Yeah, I feel you. Are there any swims that are on your list that you'd like to go? I know earlier you mentioned people out, you know, the idea of cold therapy, uh, having people out in the ice with a hack, a saw, getting into the ice. Have you got any trips like that planned that you've done? Do you know what? I was actually having a conversation last night with someone and we decided that we had to go and book a trip with Wim Hof. And I, I think he does them somewhere in the Netherlands. 
so I would really love to go and yeah do the proper immersive cold experience where you're out there in the ice I think that would be amazing and actually my my brother lives in Toronto and I connected on Instagram with this girl this is why I love social media you connect with people like the other side of the world and she does cold water I think daily but she leads some sort of like you know groups or retreats and so I'm actually going over there at Christmas so I'm definitely going to go and yeah plunge with her which would be great wow and is that in a lake that is a very good question Freya I'm not sure I mean it just looks like one of those like yeah massive blocks of ice yeah I guess it's a frozen lake and you have to like hacksaw in the thing that I was slating earlier that's the thing I want to go and do (laughs) (laughs) but once I'm acclimatized you know I guess just slating it as well because it feels so far and exotic and amazing. Am I jealous that there's not often, you know, places that we can hack out with an axe? But that's very exciting. I also have a brother who lives in Toronto, so I will definitely be sharing details with him. And yeah, just because amazing. I can't go, I'll force him to go on my on my behalf. I'll uh, I'll take him at Christmas. Yeah, well, at Christmas in Wales, we have a, a pond, keeper's pond, up in the mountains. And that water feels very glacial. It's not actual mountain water. It's disused bell pit from the mining history up in uh, the mountains in in the Brecon Beacons. But it's filled with water. And on Christmas Day and New Year's Day, it's always full of people. And it's so, so nice. But I, so I kind of assumed that's mountain water. That's pretty cold. Until I went to the Lake District this year and swam there. And even though that was summer... That water fresh off a mountain feels completely different. So clean and crisp and icy and refreshing. I definitely recommend that next time you're out for a hike anywhere. If you can find some kind of glacier or a place to swim in the mountain, it's very special. We're actually planning a team trip. I think we're looking at either the the Lake District or the Peak District. So that sounds right up my street. There's something that's just so incredible about doing it, yeah, outside in nature. I I would take that every day over doing it in an ice bath. I think the ice bath is just like the convenient way to do it. But I was actually in Scotland maybe two or three weeks ago. And yeah, there was this really beautiful lake and there's like a mini waterfall and we were just cold swimming there or wild swimming there. And it was just incredible. Oh, I love that. I know, you know, people give a lot of hate to people saying wild swimming and say, well, in my day, it was just called swimming. But I think having that emphasis on encouraging people to get out in nature is really exciting and really wonderful. I've had such a heightened interest in the outdoors since I got into swimming and I've also felt like I've really experienced nature and my surroundings in a far deeper way because I I notice the seasons I notice what the flowers on the bank are doing I notice what color the leaves are while I'm looking up I notice the sensation of the water on my skin and how that feels different to a week or even a month before and it really almost kind of time stamps the year for me it makes me feel like I'm moving moving through something and feeling a little bit like I'm at one with my surroundings. That's incredible. I love that so much. Yeah. And it's especially great when you get to do that in different parts of the country as well and have a real appreciation for how beautiful Britain is. I mean, although I've made that mistake before when I've been swimming a lot in London and then gone all the way up to Scotland and thought, I'll just be able to do this, <laughs> do the same amount. And it's been very, very cold. But I'm also actually going to Scotland in a few weeks. I'm going to Eileen Shona, which is an island off the Scottish coast. And it's actually where J.M. Barry was inspired to write Peter Pan. So I'm very excited as a writer to like oh, wow. be in that area. But the water and the swimming there looks just amazing. So I need to make sure I keep swimming up till then 
so that I'm ready for how cold that's going to be. Yeah, oh, I love that. I also just all the pictures you've put up over the last however long of the most amazing locations you've been. It's so inspiring. And I see that and think oh, I just really need to get back out there. So I'm sure you're inspiring so many people to get out there as well. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, I think that's a, a good reminder sometimes on the weekend as well. Weekends can often get so filled with seeing people and going to bars and going out for food. And actually, I feel so much more rested when I've spent some time outdoors. And even though sometimes that can feel quite far away, especially when you live in a city, that investment in your time and nurturing your time by being outdoors, even if it means traveling to cycle or get in the car or get on a, you know, ideally get on a train or public transport to go and be by the coast or be in the, the hills for a walk is just so incredibly enriching. Yeah, agree. And I don't know whether it's my age, but I feel like there's there's more stuff becoming available where or it's more socially acceptable to go and do things like that with friends rather than go out drinking. I drink now and then. And actually this, you know, we were talking about my kind of health journey earlier. I get awful hangovers and I know like it's because my phase two detox is really bad. So it's like, I just don't really like to drink and I want to do, you know, really fun things with friends, but I just don't want to be going to a bar and getting in at 3am. So the fact that it's it's now becoming cool to be healthy, I think is just such a good thing. Yeah, it is good because I think it can be quite, you're often put, made to feel quite vulnerable when a friend says, do you want to do something? And the assumption is that you'll go to the pub or you'll have a drink and you'll spend a lot of money. And then like you say, you'll feel very hungover. And that first time that you say, oh, how about we actually meet in the park and have a walk? Or how about we go to these gardens or have a swim? You know, you worry someone... I kind of feel like people think that their time has value and that time doing something outdoors is not as important as an evening and especially not an evening going out and doing something. It's almost as if I certainly would feel that I was like degrading someone in my life if I said we need a walk. And I think that that's really nice when you can establish that in a friendship because moments shared with people outdoors I think you remember them differently as well, not just because you're not hungover, but also because when you're noticing things around you, I think your memories is really sustained. And I find it's been a really beautiful way to develop relationships, not just with friends, but also romantically, like sharing time together outdoors is incredibly special and a lot more memorable than any bar you can go to really. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. And whereabouts are you based now? Where are your top places to swim when you can swim? Ooh, I think I have to give a shout out to the Serpentine just because that's where I've been going. Over the last like two years, I've spent quite a lot of time down in Bournemouth and that's been amazing. I mean, it's not the most scenic place when you compare it to, you know, some of the spots you've been in Cornwall or Wales. But to be honest, I need to, I need to find some new places. I need to actually make the effort to go and... Yeah, like go to the Lake District and dip in some beautiful new scenes. I haven't done much swimming in Bournemouth, so you can share your Bournemouth tips and I'll share my Lake District trips and we can swap. But I think Bournemouth has a lot of shingle beaches, right? Yes. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I love shingle. I love the sound oh, of do like you? drag when the pebbles are coming back on the on the waves. I love that. So nice. And I just hate having sand and all my things. Yeah, you know what? That's actually a really good way of looking at it because I would always think I'll go for a sand beach any day, but actually it's a nightmare. It's not for, it's not for me. I'm, I'm a bit of an, an annoy. My friend um, Jo always complains because every time I moan about sand, she's like, we're out at the beach, stop moaning. And I'm like, it's <laughs> everywhere. So I'd always take a shingle or a pebble beach for sure. Oh, sorry. No, you won't like Bournemouth because it is sand. 
just oh. remembered. Yeah. Okay. In that case, keep your tips. I'll, I'll, I'll go to Whitstable <laughs> instead. That's lovely. And I know you like oysters and it's actually about to be Oyster Festival in Whitstable. Ooh. Okay. So I, I hope for everybody that's going there, the water quality is really nice as well. Mm, I like that. If you could put together maybe a top guide on, I don't know, like the top 10 spots in the UK or something, that would be great because I would really like to know. Mm, I would actually very much enjoy doing that. That would be a good exercise for me and myself because I think when you do something like that, you realize, wow, I love these places and I go there so rarely. And it's a reminder to invest that time and prioritize being, being outdoors as well. Oh, well, I feel like we've spoken about so much and it's got me really excited to, I actually have no plans to be in nature this weekend. So now I'm going to keep that promise to myself and go and do something, something where I can enjoy the, the shift in season as well, because I feel like it's just beginning. Me too, actually. Me too. And if you also have tips for anybody, wherever they are in their cold water therapy journey, just to get started or maybe to lean in more to their journey, um, what is a really simple takeaway for enjoying the benefits of cold water? I think, well, A, now is an amazing time of year to get started. So if you live by, whether it's a sea, a lake, a pond, there's probably a community of people there who are going to start going in in the morning. So just go down and just get involved. I think one one really easy way to get started is at the end of your shower, just turn it down to cold. And it might be that you can only stand it for a few seconds, but you can quickly work your way up. And I think as soon as you start feeling the benefits, that's when you will naturally just get hooked and, and just want a little bit more of it. And just just remember that you actually, you can do it. And that's why I think what you'll realise so quickly that you can just overcome 20 seconds of the cold and it will make you feel amazing. You can do it, definitely. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today, Laura. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. And you. Thank you to Laura for that really insightful chat. You can find out more about Monk and join the waitlist for your very own tub at discovermonk.com. And you can also pre-order my book, The Tidal Year, via the link in the show notes. See you next week. <laughs>